0: I like to solve problems for people, and that's kind of what I put out there as my personal brand. Obviously, a slant towards being a founder and marketing is where I like to focus, but I think its I like to add some personality to it.
1: Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. The two of the nicest guys around, and the work that they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, our guest is Steve Lamar, founder and CEO at Promo Prep, someone that I have learned a ton from on social recently. And just you're literally dropping like knowledge bombs left and right. So, Steve, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm so happy to be here. It's great. Awesome. So, why don't you give everyone a 60-second glimpse of who Steve Lamar is for the people that may not know who you are, and I'm sure there isn't a ton, but for the ones that that don't know, you know, give everyone a little background of yourself.
0: Yeah. So I'm Steve Lamar. I'm a founder of Promo Prep, which is a marketing calendar and planning tool for marketing teams. But my background really is in marketing and, and tech and software. I've been in marketing Pretty much my entire career started in graphic design, worked my way into more software, kind of technical support, that type of thing. But really since about 2009 or so, I've been working in digital marketing agencies, working with different brands and such to help them across all their different channels. So that's what basically led me
1: over to doing what I'm doing now. Nice, nice, I love that. So you actually kind of led me to the first question of what made you leave agency life and start Promo Prep?
0: Yeah, agency life was an interesting place to be. You get exposed to so many different things. I loved it because I started off in SEO and that led to uh, some paid search work and then really worked my way into getting exposed to all the different channels from paid social to affiliate marketing to email and working with all these different brands One thing that kept coming up was keeping track of their marketing campaigns and and their promotions and things like that. And most of the brands were working inside of spreadsheets, right, and and passing us that information over email. And so our whole teams had to execute on that. And so it became very challenging and something that became a problem for us as the agency and keeping track of things, but then also for the our clients, because they've got teams that are kind of trying to keep track of what needs to launch and if something needs to change, all those things. So working in spreadsheets was definitely not the way to go there. A lot of them still are doing it, but that's really where Promo Prep came around was there's got to be a better solution for collaborating and having a centralized location for tracking everything. So yeah, started building that and about six months or so, I was kind of doing on the side about six months or so, left the agency, moved into, did some contract work actually, I was kind of lucky they let me transition a bit and then went more full-time beginning
1: this year. Nice, nice. That's awesome. I've personally never worked in an agency before and I've always wondered what it's like, because I've had prior colleagues that have said, you know, I did agency life, I couldn't get out quick enough. But then some people talk about like, it's something that they felt like they had to do to put that notch in their belt. Like they may not have liked it, but it was something that they felt like would just kind of better them as a marketer. Like, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I think as a marketer, we're tasked with doing so many different things, right? There's so many different areas in marketing that you can focus on. And what I loved about it was I had exposure to a lot of experts and they were doing marketing for a lot of different brands. And so they had to figure out how to work inside different areas. And so we had a lot of people that went really deep in certain channels as opposed to kind of knowing SEO and kind of doing some paid search and kind of doing some social, they went really deep in Facebook marketing or whatever it was. So for me coming in, like I said, I was kind of strong in SEO, but then I didn't have necessarily exposure into some of these other channels. And so it was great because I was surrounded with people. That's all they did. I was more on the client services side. So I was working with directly with the marketing teams on the brand side to help with strategies and budgets and forecasting and all those things. And then would bring in some of my other teammates when we wanted to get on an execution side to really kind of build that up. So yeah, I loved it. I think it's, the hard part is it, it's pretty chaotic, it particularly where, depending on where you're working, because you've got to be working with five, six, seven different brands. You can be from one call to the next, like switching gears into a totally different brand. But you learn a ton. I grew a lot. I was the last agency I was at was about seven years. And I just learned so much from being with them that it's something that you can't replicate as much, I don't think, in other spaces.
1: Yeah, no, those are some great points for sure. So I want to get your thoughts on something. What's your definition of a personal brand? Because like, you're super active on social. And so people have a lot of different thoughts around this. And I'm interested in yours.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I didn't really give it a lot of thought up until I started working more towards building a business because I didn't have a need to. I got jobs through applying through job placements or whatnot, but I never really needed to get myself out there. And that shift happened probably about a year and a half, two years ago, when I really wanted to start focusing on getting more exposure for what I was doing on the side at the time, but then eventually to what I'm doing now. And I think from a brand perspective, I mean, really building up like kind of what you want to be known for in a way. I don't think the platform's necessarily where you need to focus. Like there's LinkedIn, there's Twitter, there's lots of other places, Facebook groups, Slack groups, but it's really like, what are you putting yourself out there Are you trying to be someone that's helping? Are you trying to be someone that's more like pushing to be a big innovator or whatnot? For me personally, I have to be helpful. Like I like to solve problems for people. And that's kind of what I put out there as my personal brand. Obviously, a slant towards being a founder and marketing is where I like to focus. But I think it's I like to add some personality to it. Like I don't just push out just,
1: I guess, boilerplate type stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> absolutely those are the best types of people like i think of like andreas johnson who was i guess not so he's the ceo of shield so like he's also you know another person started the company but like he provides a ton of value with the lot that he posts and it's good to see more people like yourself and andreas and just i think of chris walker as like another person is, is very similar and we need more of that and less like this is the boilerplate, blah, 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 like show some vulnerability, show some like authenticity, because I know that's a big thing that a lot of people talk about. And it's like so many C-level people just kind of put the same old generic BS out there. And it's tough to like relate to someone when they're doing that. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. So I'm interested in this piece. You've got about 15,500 followers on Twitter, which is seemed to be kind of where you spent a lot of your time. I know you're active on LinkedIn as well. But like, where do you split your time between those two social platforms? And like, how do you determine where to spend your time between the two? Like, how do you weigh the differences?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been on LinkedIn forever, but more just because everybody got a profile there, right? I wasn't active at all. And as I was trying to figure out where should I spend time, because it's time's finite. you got to go where you think you're going to have the best chance of succeeding. And I didn't really know. I mean, it was kind of playing inside LinkedIn, playing inside Twitter and getting started. I think everybody runs into that same problem of I don't really know where to start. I don't know how to connect p- with people. I don't know what to post about, what kind of content's going to resonate, that kind of thing. And, and honestly, I, I actually started a little bit more in some Facebook groups and getting comfortable there. And some of those, because those are very focused, right? Like you can get into a, a marketing group or a Slack group that's very focused on something. Whereas LinkedIn and Twitter, it's so broad that you have to kind of find your niche a little bit more. But inside Twitter, I found that a couple of things. One, I had a post that actually went viral not too long after I kind of started getting going, which helped a lot with my growth and getting exposure there. But that, so that's where I now kind of tend to spend more time because I do, I did get some more traction there early on and. I've just made some friendships there. I've I've been communicating with with people there, having just DMs with people or just chatting with them on, on their posts, whatever. So that's really where I found the connection on LinkedIn. I I want to spend more time there, but I haven't really engaged yet. But definitely an area that I think is kind of untapped for me as well. But it's like, again that balance of where you spend your time.
1: Yep, absolutely. It's kind of similar for me. Like I started out on LinkedIn, and it was just like. It was an easy platform for me because no one was talking about fail marketing. I was just like, great, I can talk about it. And then I moved into Twitter probably about four months ago, five months ago. And so, like, I've always had a Twitter account. But, like, to be honest with you, I followed, like, sports and meteorologists because mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a closet, like, weather geek. Nice. Yeah. And so, like, I started to get more active with it and like really engaging with like the marketing Twitter community. It's been great. It's just hard to keep up with both of them. It's like, yeah, just like you, you're trying to run a company. I have a full-time job. Like you can only do so much. Whereas some people that have like, they're doing consulting or something. It's a little easier for them to be a bit more active on like social platforms every day. Yeah, for sure. So I'm interested and I ask a lot of people this, but who are two to three people that you learned from to be a better leader and, and a better marketer?
0: Yeah good questions. There's a couple people that come to mind. First kind of bigger name, Ran Fishkin definitely is somebody that I've looked towards from the my beginning stages of beginning into marketing because I started an SEO. So I think there was that connection there for sure. But he broadens a lot out more into general marketing and focusing on audience and focusing on customers and writing well and all of those things. So that's resonated with me a lot because I've always tried to be a better writer and try to create more content and better content. So that's helped a lot. And just purely from a leadership style, I respect what he does and, and ha what he puts out there. He's always been someone that's that's been giving and and as opposed to just kind of pushing out messages and and more lecture style. He's definitely more someone that's he's taught his entire career and that's what has built up his following and, and allowed him to build up Moz and now switch over to Spark Toro and do that. So that's been an interesting journey to to watch with him someone probably not as well known, but in the Twitter space, for sure. Arvid Call is somebody that I definitely respect. He's more in the founder, kind of bootstrap startup community, which is something that resonates a lot with me. And so again, but same kind of thing, like very giving and shares all of his knowledge and puts out like very welcoming to people that want to learn. He doesn't shy away from following people, right? Like, and communicating it and connecting with people. That's really what I gravitate towards, because I want the social side of it to actually be social, as opposed to just Listening to kind of these gurus or whatever the word is of just lecturing, you know, as opposed to I've stopped following people because they don't actually interact. Like they post and then they leave it alone. Like I love people like even you, Nick, like getting in there and you're, you're responding to everybody's comment. And so that's the kind of thing that, that just it sits well with people. Like it's like, wow, that person, even though they've got all these followers and they've got all this stuff going on, they actually connected with me and that makes me feel good. Now I'm willing to connect with them. That's a couple people. I mean one other is my actually my business partner now, is Chantel Marcel. We actually met through Twitter and she's great. She's actually I know you know her. She's on both LinkedIn and on Twitter but she puts out a lot of great content. She's really active in LinkedIn and posts daily about her experiences and things that she knows are gonna connect with folks. And then on Twitter, you know, she's putting together interviewing people and putting together great threads and everything else. So again, like very community-minded. And I think that's really where what I gravitate towards is is who's out there like providing value in the sense of sharing their knowledge.
1: Yep, absolutely. And shout out to to Chantel. She's part of the the motion family as well with her new podcast. So want to make sure to uh, show her some love as well. So lots of people don't have many LinkedIn or Twitter followers. I mean, I basically have like nothing on Twitter. And I'm fortunate enough to have built a nice community on LinkedIn. But like, how can someone stand out with what they create from like your point of view for people that don't have as many followers?
0: I don't have all the answers either. You know, I think it's one of those things that everybody kind of struggles with is what kind of content do you put out there? But I think number one is go to where people are active that you want to communicate with and connect with. So starting there, it may not be LinkedIn or Twitter. Maybe it is a Facebook group. Maybe it's a Slack group, some other platform that where the folks are. But I think the first thing that I'm very much like an observing learner, observational learner, and I wasn't as active before. And I think that's what 90% of the people that are on social don't actually post very much there to watch. And I definitely have some of that ingrained in me. And if I'm starting to get myself into a community, I do a lot of observing. I, I see what works with other people. I see how they're connecting and what they're doing to get for lack of a better word, attention, right? And what's resonating with people. And since I'm trying to get into the marketing community, and that's what my business is and, and the direction I'm going, it's a little easier because there's a definitely a huge community of marketers out there. A lot of people in social media and, and content marketing, and all of those things. If you're first getting out, it is just find the community first and start plugging in there and really communicate with them, right? Like interact with them before you're going to post out there, they're just going to get nothing, right? You're going to get no responses. And that's pretty normal. And it's funny because you see so much in all these streams of how do I get new followers and look, I'm at this new follower count and all of this stuff. I mean, it's definitely very prevalent and something that's on everybody's mind where they're getting into these spaces. Otherwise, it's like you're just throwing stuff out then it doesn't go anywhere. So I guess it's making those connections with people. I mean, I have people that DM me just randomly saying, hey, thinks your stuff's interesting. I just wanted to connect with you. Great. Now we've got a little bit of a rapport, a little bit of a relationship there. So just building on top of those and then start talking about your experiences. Like you're going to have a ton of stuff that's just going to bomb. It's not going to really go anywhere, but who cares? I mean, these things happen so quickly and, and the feed runs so quickly. You push something out there, a few people pay attention to it and they forget about it, you know? So I guess don't be afraid to push out ideas and test what works.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are some great tips for sure. It's like, I talk a lot about community because I think community, especially during like this whole pandemic has been like such a big thing. And like a lot of marketers, particularly if like found communities to be a part of and found have like, there's no in-person networking events and like they found and leveraged community to be better marketers to just like meet new people. And like, personally, that's my whole thing. Like, I just love meeting new people. Like, I love listening to new ideas or new ways to think of something that maybe I didn't think about before. So I think community is definitely a huge, huge piece of it. So for sure. Some people say personal brand is about adding value. Some say it's just being yourself and being authentic, but it doesn't really offer anyone tactical advice. So like, what does adding value mean to you if you're a marketer that's looking to get started?
0: Yeah, I guess like for me personally, I like things that I can take action on that actually lead to something. And That's to say you could have one person that's posting 15 things and two of the things they post I'll gravitate towards because I could take action. I mean, for instance, there was somebody that posted something last week on the five tools that he uses for doing sales outreach. For me, roll back four or five months ago, maybe that wouldn't have resonated with me. But last week, it's been something that I've been working through and and kind of trying to figure out on my own. I've tried it and it hasn't really worked and it's a lot of it's time intensive And he put out five different things, It was like five bullets of just the tools he uses. And that hit me like that was like, wow, I can go take this. I spent the next day setting this stuff up. And then the next day I was actually I actually launched it. And so like that's what I love is that all of a sudden out of the thousands of things I'm scrolling through, here's something that caught my attention. And now I'm going to go use it. So that's like the educational side of it. I think the other side is the entertainment side of it. I mean, there's definitely the, the that's the factor. And people are on social platforms to kill time or just whatever the reasons are. But one of it is to kill boredom. And so there's the entertainment factor, but I kind of like the slant of it's still in the wheelhouse of things that I'm interested in. Like someone posted today something about a TikTok of somebody who basically is a bartender that he couldn't get a job a year ago because all the bars closed. He started thinking about what else he can post. So he started putting some things about how to mix drinks on TikTok, threw that out there. All of a sudden that kind of blew up. Now he created these cards that tell you what kind of drinks you can make. And so now he's selling those on Amazon. That right there, and it was one a 60 second TikTok of him going through this whole process. And that right to me, that was entertaining and educational. You know, like it was, and it was so cool to like, see his process and what he went through in a quick little post. So that's not easy to do and pull off. And he's got the credibility and the story behind him to to do something like that. But
1: those are the kind of things that that definitely resonate. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's a good one. It's definitely like to kill boredom. And like, for me, like, I just I like the tangible piece and like takeaway piece, because like so many people will post things about like, you should do X, Y, Z because they say so. And like, they want to be seen as like that expert. But like, I like, like, hey, I did this or I was thinking of doing this and these were the steps I went to go about like doing it. And like that clicks with me. Like that's Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, I could actually do something like this too. Or like, this is something that I could implement in my day-to-day that could hopefully me be better marketer or help me like save time in automating with like what I do. So I definitely gravitate towards that as well. What's your take on... LinkedIn, Twitter, Clubhouse, like how does a marketer, and I guess you throw TikTok in there as well, but like, how does a marketer balance like all these from a personal perspective?
0: it They're all time suck just to a certain degree. And so you have to figure out where you're going to spend that time. Clubhouse for me was interesting for a little while. I think everybody's, th- this conversation started to come up is like, what's going to happen with Clubhouse? i didn't use it much i don't have an iphone i've got an android so even getting on that was challenging and i got to throw an ipad in in the mix there and so i used it sporadically when either something i actually wanted to go go sign up for and and listen to so for me personally clubhouse isn't going to make a difference however i think those audio kind of features that are being added to linkedin to to well to twitter already and, and linkedin soon that's exciting to me. I think if I can be on Twitter, I'm scrolling through and somebody I know starts a, a Twitter space, I can jump in on that. That's pretty cool. I, mean, I love that now connection of I can hear someone's voice. I can have a conversation with them because it's what I've tried to do in the background of of meeting some people is get off of the digital and actually have a phone call with them and actually talk them, talk with them. And I've done that several times with people and it just solidifies that relationship even more. So I think that where their channels are going, I think over the last year, because people have wanted to get into the social spaces more, we've seen a lot of that, like even me, I mean, I'm more engaged in social spaces because of that. So it'll be interesting to see if that goes away a bit. But I think part of it is where you're comfortable. I mean, like I said, I'm more comfortable in Twitter than I am in LinkedIn. I have a harder time in LinkedIn finding people that I want to see what their content is, whereas like Twitter, I can do different things to make that stuff pop up quicker with lists and with, you know, notifications and things like that. So I think it's really where you're comfortable who you want to be listening
1: to and learning from, basically. Yep, absolutely. When when Clubhouse first came out, I was definitely on it a, a good amount, but <laughs> I don't know. For me it's fizzled out like a ton. Like I maybe go on like 20 minutes a week now like if that like it was just I haven't got into Twitter spaces as, as much just because I'm not I'm still trying to like figure the whole Twitter thing out like I've been trying to like post like here and there but it, it definitely always comes back to, to LinkedIn for me so who knows we'll see all the cool things that are going to be coming out and see what it can do for for marketers and, and content creators Speaking of content, what are your sources for inspiration for the content that you do, right? Do you do you keep notes? Like where are your ideas stored? What's your workflow typically look like? Yeah, I've tried a couple
0: different things. Some, of, A lot of my inspiration is what am I doing that day a lot of times. So if I'm working through a problem and I think it's going to benefit somebody, I'll push that out. I mean, as an example, like on my app, I've got another app that pings it every five minutes to make sure that the app's active. And so I thought that'd be interesting. Like that saved my butt a lot of times when the app's gone down. I didn't realize it. And so now I've got a tool that'll do that. So just pushing that out there for somebody else that might find benefit in that, those kind of things. So I think that's definitely inspirational or a place as a source of inspiration. And then even just paying attention to what other people are talking about. That's huge. I mean, there's so many conversations that are happening. You can definitely piggyback on that. I think a lot of what happened to social is regurgitated information. So it's just, can you package it up and put your information, your spin on it differently than what somebody else may have? Or just adding to that or adding to the conversation. So that's a part of it. But I don't have any tools that I use. Like I'm not automating anything. Everything I have is I do have a spreadsheet that I do kind of keep some random ideas in there as they come up, but mostly I do work a little bit more. I don't schedule things out, so it's a little bit more kind of off the cuff for the most part.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly like I myself. Like, there's people that will schedule like weeks and weeks worth. of like Justin Welsh, for example, I recently recorded him, and he was saying like he'll sit down on a Saturday and write like a month's worth of like post and for like four or five hours and i'm just like like for me like i think of the day of just throw it on like whatever i'm thinking about but i do get a lot of inspiration from like the comment section just because people have so many other like fresh ideas but like you said like everything that is put out on social isn't anything new it's just how do you put your own like point of view a spin on it and like what can you do to like make it sound interesting enough that people want to engage with it and have a conversation around it yeah, no, completely. So so I think we're coming up on time. I wanted to close with a few final questions for you. And this is something that I like to personally always learn about. Like, what's your favorite resource? Where do you rely to keep like your mind fresh? Like could be online, could be offline. Like what do you do in your free time? I love the weekends is just getting out and doing pro- like
0: manual projects. I do a lot of DIY around the house and, and things. And so I like to detach If it's gardening outside, if it's fixing something around the house, I've got a couple kids, so doing stuff with them. So that's where I'm able to decompress, I
1: guess. Nice. Nice. No, that's definitely awesome. And then the last question that I got for you is, do you remember the first time that you hit post on Twitter? Like, What was it about? What were you feeling at that time?
0: Yeah. At the time, my first post was, I mentioned Rand Fishkin, was one of his books. And so it was at this point almost two-ish years ago, he was transitioning from Moz to his new company, SparkToro, and he wrote a book about it. It was kind of his, like his transitional book from one to the next. And it resonated with me because it was exactly what I was going through. I wasn't leaving another startup, but I was thinking about potentially leaving my company to start this other company. And so yeah, that was it connected with me a lot. And so that post was like a a thanks to him. I got his book, a picture of that and pushed that out. Yeah, that was my first post.
1: Nice, nice. Amazing. So Steve, tell me where can people go to learn more about you all the amazing things that you're doing? Feel free to throw anything, whatever you want to talk about, feel free to plug it. (laughs) Yeah, I think first thing, if, if you want to follow me on
0: Twitter, it's Steve J. Lamar on Twitter. My LinkedIn is just Steve Lamar. And then promoprep.com, uh, if you're interested in any uh, promotional and, and marketing calendar and, and planning tool, definitely check that out. Promoprep.com is where that's at.
1: Awesome. Well, Steve, I just want to thank you again. I appreciate you spending some time with us today. It was honestly, I learned a ton. I'm sure all everyone listening learned a ton and I can't wait to share the episode with all of you. Thanks again, Steve. Yeah, thanks a lot, Nick. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to rep your brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.